This is the Blood Red podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the inside track on all the big talking points from Anfield. Alan Hansen, of course, once said, you don't win anything with kids. Well, perhaps an FA Cup fourth round replay as Liverpool saw off Shrewsbury Town 1-0 at Anfield. Welcome to the Blood Red podcast here from the Liverpool Echo. I'm Guy Clark and alongside me, three men who watched the action and we're going to pick the bones out of it. Alongside me, Matt Addison. Matt, how are you doing? Very good, thank you. You said about five minutes ago you didn't plan that. So that was a, a very professional introduction. Well, thanks very much. Theo Squires, Theo watching on at Anfield. And Theo, your, your thoughts on the game so far, we'll get to in depth, but just sort of broad overview. They did all right, the kids, didn't they? Yeah, I'd say highlight of the season so far, without uh, going too over the top. That's it's a, a great feel-good factor. Yeah, that is a big statement. And Dan <laughs> K, Dan, a very youthful and junior side. We were talking about it just before turning the cameras on, but <laughs> they certainly did show <clears> up <throat> as a true Liverpool side. This is, and I think it shows that the uh, the culture of excellence and improvement um, that we've all been exulting about at first team level really does run through every aspect of the club. And I'd absolutely endorse what what Theo said there. I think it's for, for me, this <clears throat> is slightly older than some of my <laughs> colleagues here, who's someone who's got a great, still a great affection for the FA Cup. Um, I, I, I couldn't be happy that whatever happens, I think between now and May the FA Cup has now been responsible for two of the most kind of treasured memories of Liverpool season. Yeah, how big is that? This season, you look at it, Liverpool going through the Premier League campaign unbeaten, winning all bar one game to this point, and yet two of the standout moments, both involving Curtis Jones against Everton in the third round and then becoming the youngest ever Liverpool captain. Well, and, and an extra strand of enjoyment of that for everybody, certainly locally, is the fact that he's a scouser yep. um, from the South End. Couldn't sound more like he's from the South End, uh, the South End rather. Um, <clears throat> but you, know, you look, you look through you know, the young lads who, who performed so admirably, admirably last night. Nico Williams, who was arguably man of the match, real powerhouse performance at right back, could have had a hat trick or more. Um, Reading Connor's piece. <laughs> well, yes, I think he's started to what, what all of us were thinking. Um, the likes of Harvey Elliott, still only 16, who every time he takes the pitch just seems to look more and more like he's just got it at this level. And you can, you know, the, the level of improvement he's still got ahead of him is, is frightening, really. But you know, either, you know, the, some of the lesser held likes, the likes of Leighton Clarkson, uh, Adam Lewis at left-back, um, and I think particularly Pedro Chiravella, who was the old man of the team at 22, um, but put in a you know a, phenol- a, a real mature performance of, of graft and hard work, and I think you, I wasn't actually there myself last night. I was covering it in the office here, <clears throat> picking up bits and bobs that we could see from the internet and here, here, and obviously reports from those getting first-hand evidence. And apparently, at the at the final whistle, his kind of reaction really kind of taps into the fact that he you know he amongst with the likes of Curtis and others really took responsibility shared that kind of burden through the, through the 90 minutes and were desperate to get it over the line, particularly obviously once we got our noses in front. And once we did, um, it was real euphoria on the pitch and in the stands and I think for every Liverpooling. Yeah, all all but a dozen perhaps appearances for Liverpool for Pedro Chiravea, Theo, but he was the man in the midfield really that needed to be there to sort of put the battle into Shrewsbury because they came with a fairly experienced, certainly EFL experience amongst their ranks. 
and didn't really want to give Liverpool the time to get their foot on the ball and really dictate and control the game, albeit that's how it played out. It was a strange one with uh, Shrewsbury's game plan because it was basically just kick Liverpool and hope that they shy away, they get timid, and then just let Shrewsbury have the ball. It'll be an easy game for them. But Liverpool never did that, and Chiravella was probably one of the leading men there because he was the number six. It's that such an important role in this Liverpool system. And as we've seen, it's the same if it's the first team, it's the same if it's 23s, 20s, whatever, that they make it all tick. They get the ball, they pass it around. Uh, I think there, there were a couple of shaky moments in this team, but you'd expect that with young players. Uh, Kiana Hover had a couple of dodgy moments, but then Chirivella's straight there back, cleaning up after him. And you can tell that he's what, 22, he's been learning off Jordan Henderson, James Milner, been training with these players. And it's great to see that he can take that responsibility. And I know he's said in the past that he, he knows his future is not at Liverpool. He's got to that stage now. He needs to move on for the sake of his career. He probably would have already moved on if it wasn't for that replay. But if he was two years younger, you'd say he's got a real chance of making it in this Liverpool team because he just comes in and he's looked so comfortable whenever he's played this season. And when he's been a bit of a, a figure of fun, hasn't he? When he wasn't eligible to play against MK Dons, Liverpool almost got kicked out of the Carabao Cup as a result. And now it's like, hang on, he's actually a pretty decent player for someone who hadn't played for three, four years for the first team. He's just gone out on loans dodgy places um, fair play to him if he can get a move off the back of it but then if he can keep this up when you've had rumours of uh, Klopp wanting to give him a new contract could he potentially come in as a, a late squad player we've seen it before with other players that look to move on it just shows how late players can develop Matt yeah I mean I think he's he's almost slightly unfortunate in a sense that he's playing at a time when Liverpool are so good I think in most squads probably in my lifetime He'd be a squad player at least. You know, he'd, yeah. he'd be getting 15, 20 games each season in, in most like Kevin of Kevin Stewart a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. well, yeah. When you you think of some Jay of the names, a little bit further yeah, back, yeah, yeah. He's he's just as as good as those players, and I think you can really sort of tell that he's trained with the the team so often, and as with all the players, to be fair, they they just slotted in straight away, and and just it looked like a Liverpool team again. It was one of the key things as well in terms of the performance for Liverpool dominated the statistics and every sort of aspect of the game in that respect. Just, it was at Anfield, and I know we spoke after the the away game, the, the initial tie, that everything was perhaps built against Liverpool in that respect. At home with a crowd that certainly wanted to see the youngsters go well, it was all for them. But sort of seeing that Liverpool DNA that seeps right through the club, that doesn't matter which names and numbers are on the backs of the shirts, the players in the certain roles are fulfilling what's asked of them. Who are you asking this one to? Anyone. It's, it's, an open, it's an open question <laughs> well, to anyone who wants to take it first, on. I, I think, yeah, what you say is correct. And it ties into the fact that there's a lot of, there's a, there's a consistency and a continuity of, of approach, of mentality, of process um, that filters down really th- through every strand in the club. And I don't, that doesn't necessarily just tie it to you know, pattern of play and the technical aspects of, of football. I think it very much ties into mentality because, you know, this... By and large, this was you know, largely the team that played at Aston Villa. Played really well for the first 10, 15, 20 minutes of that game, from what I can remember. If they could have got their noses in front that day, it could have been an altogether different outcome. However, they were 4-0 down at half-time and lost 5-0. And I think um, in the build-up to this replay, once we knew that, that, that there were there were not going to be any senior players involved. There was a fear that, you know, while nobody thought they would let, you know, and I absolutely, I'm not saying they let themselves down at Villa, there was a fear that that kind of result was maybe slightly obscured by the fact that most of the attention at the time was on the World Club Cup. And obviously the, the following day, Liverpool had the semi-final against Monterey. Whereas this, you know, a game at Anfield in front of the full house, if they had have had, if they had a suffered you know, a real kind of heavy defeat, you would have kind of feared, you know, 
what kind of impact that might have had on them. And <clears throat> as you know, the lads have said, I think as, as John Aldridge pointed out in his column on Monday, you would always expect Shrewsbury to come and certainly try to be physical and maybe try to bully Liverpool a little bit. And that's certainly what they did early on. Um, I, you know, f- from the way I was kind of seeing and following the game here, you kind of thought before half-time, these lads are in the game here. And, you know, I think they've got a decent chance of of, of, um, of getting a result. But the start of the second half, clearly Shrewsbury had a rocket from the manager and came out a lot more kind of front foot actually trying to have a go at Liverpool and, of course, scored a goal, which thankfully, from our point of view, was, was ruled out from VAR. But I think it shows that, you know, the Liverpool, you know, the, the young Liverpool were able to absorb that kind of initial second half change of uh, impetus from from the visitors, handle it, absorb it, and find a way to kind of turn the game back in their favour, which they did. And when the goal came, I think it was on the back of, you know, 15 minutes or so of you know, Liverpool getting back on top. And I don't think anyone could really suggest that, that Liverpool's young players don't deserve it. And, you know, against the team, all right, two divisions below, but of senior experienced pros, and I think I'm right in saying that was pretty much Shrewsbury's full strength side they've got out there full internationals on that team yeah it is an extraordinary result in this you know just when you think this season can't surprise you anymore yeah I mean just just the mentality the togetherness of the players and I think it really showed that they've played together before first of all Mm. Uh, but the other the other big thing for me in terms of that filtering down was James Milner was there he was in the dressing room he was on the bench fantastic you know it's just a a fantastic gesture and I'm not sure why I'm surprised because we all know James (laughs) Milner and, and we know how much of a professional and a, a pro that he is, but I ju- yeah, I just thought that was a, a nice symbolic moment of, of what was a fantastic night for, for the whole club, really. I think it's nice, the growth for the youngsters as well, because it's very easy in this season to look at Liverpool's first team and see them go from strength to strength, winning every game, going, they're going to win the Premier League. They could win the treble now because they're still in the cup. But it's been the same for the youngsters too, because you think they've been in the Football League trophy at the start of the season and they didn't go all their own way. I think they, they lost two games to Accrington, that was a 5-2, and they lost to Oldham 3-2. Uh, they lost to Fleetwood on penalties. And you think, well, that, that's a tough experience, but it's senior experience of sorts. Then they go to the Aston Villa game and it's one of the great English stadiums, isn't it? And they go and get thrashed 5-0. But you can still see there's improvement there. And now a couple months later, they've gone and knocked out a team who are what well, proper League One team, proper football league team. It just shows how much difference that experience gets and how quickly these young players can develop. Like Liverpool would not have lost 5-0 against Aston Villa if they'd had Curtis Jones out there. That's just, just what happens. If you've got these players that have had the senior experience, it just needs a handful of appearances because the faith and the self-belief that gives you. Like, say Liam Miller last night, for example, he's gone and done a year on loan at Kilmarnock. He knows he might not make it at Liverpool, but he's got enough now to make it in the game somewhere. And these players, by making these appearances, they go, yeah, now I'm going to make it somewhere. And it's just like Neil Critchley said, this isn't a defining game in your career. This is the first step. See where you're going to go now. Yeah, really interesting from Neil Critchley. But in terms of... Liverpool and how they've gone this season. Mentioning the, the games, actually, the youngsters have played. John Coleman was on the uh, Ali LaRouche podcast last week. Peter Hooten and he, having obviously managed against the young side in the the Football League trophy this season, felt confident that Shrewsbury were going to win. But it shows that resilience that this squad has to go out and, as you say, Theo, say that this game isn't the game that defines us that we see pieces written on websites in five years' time saying, what happened to those players who played Shrewsbury when they lost and were dumped out of the FA Cup? No, these youngsters now have actually, in many ways, perhaps, Matt, given themselves a springboard to, if it's not going to be at Liverpool, at least show that they can make it in the pro game somewhere. 
Yeah, 100%. Yeah, I mean, it was a, a big window of opportunities, as we talked about on the Academy show. That was the, the key word from that one was, you know, how much of a, a big chance this was. And individually and collectively, I think they all took that opportunity. You think of someone like Quivine Kelleher, for example, his last two senior appearances, he's conceded five in each of those against uh, Arsenal, obviously the, the most recent, and, and Aston Villa as well. And, you know, individually, I think that was the best that I've seen him play. That was by far and away the best I've seen Sepp Vandenberg play. Um, you know, you, you go through the team and Adam Lewis as well. He's obviously been massively unfortunate with, with injuries and stuff over the last uh, few seasons, but that would have been a, a huge boost to his confidence. And look, most of those those players, you know, championship, league one sides would have been aware of, but it's just a sort of confirmation if if they're looking for loan deals in future if you know these players leave Liverpool at some point people are, are going to look back and say well I remember them playing against Shrewsbury and I, I remember what they did and you know it, it's just a it's it's another big step for all of their careers and I do think one or two of them will go on and play for, for Liverpool for a long time but we know that the reality is the majority will have to go and find other places and, and that's a big step towards that. Yeah, you say some will go on and play for Liverpool for a long time. I think the main one we looked at and spoke about him right at the top was Curtis Jones, 19 years and six days old, less than a week into his 20th year on this planet. He's captaining Liverpool. Theo, do you remember what you were doing at 19 years and six days old? Because I certainly don't remember what I was um, doing. That's probably something I can't say on a podcast at university. <laughs> um, it's amazing, isn't it? Like Curtis Jones, we've always seen him these last few years. And yeah, he's a decent player, but he's probably going to be another one of those midfielders that makes a few appearances and then has to go elsewhere. And then this year it's like, well, where's this player come from? He's just sensational. It doesn't matter what level he's playing at. He completely dominates it and he looks so confident and he knows how good he is. And that's the scary thing because he is just going to get better. Like um, some of the highlights, I know they've made it onto social media, even though the game wasn't televised. Uh, he's on this little um, Rabona cross. It's just, he shouldn't have the cheek to do that, but he does it perfectly. All this side needed was a proper striker to get on the end of it. And it's one of the goals of the season. He's got his little turn there where he's nutmegged the defender in the corner. And he, he probably beats him as well if he doesn't get the hand in the face. He had one where he's flicked the ball over his defender and then just killed it dead, looked up. He's just so confident. And I don't think there was any doubts that he would be a worthy captain for this team. Uh, if it hadn't been for the fact that he was in Qatar, he'd probably captain him at Villa Park as well. And he is just going to get better. There's a reason why Jürgen Klopp didn't loan him out last month. And it is because they know he is ready for this team. And you look at the Liverpool midfield now, yes, it's cluttered. Yes, there are a lot of options. There are a lot of senior options there, which means the game time will be a little bit limited at times. He probably isn't on the bench when everyone's fit and available. But the Liverpool midfield are solely edging towards the 30s. You've got like Henderson and Vinaldum are going to near their 30th birthday soon. Milner and Lana obviously past that now. Lana's probably going in the summer. He is getting to this, showing this ability at the right time, learning off them where there is going to be a space to open up when he gets to the peak of his powers. Yeah, and he, I mean, looking at the game from last night, you don't want to shower a player so young in too high praise, Dan, but watching the way he played, he played off the left, played the free roll, came in behind the striker. Basically, <clears> the game ran through him and... You said before, obviously, being a local lad, that means so much to the Liverpool fan base locally to seeing him mm. do so well. We've seen the likes of Jay Spearing come through, Cameron Brannigan. They're always dubbed the next Steven Gerrard because they play central midfield. Curtis Jones doesn't seem to have any of that baggage before he's played. He's being able to go out there and do his own thing. Yeah, and I, I mean, he looks like the kind of lad that doesn't suffer with self-confidence too much. But it's, it's as you get into the, into the adult game, 
it's balancing that out with the reality that you've got to you've got to kind of learn your stripes, <clears throat> work your way up, get, gain that experience. And I think the fact that he's already has, you know, a few runouts for the first team from the substitutes bench this season has helped him. I, I'm, I still haven't, I, I have rec- got it recorded, I haven't watched the full 90 minutes back yet, but from bits and pieces I've read from the reports as well, as well as the, <clears throat> you know, the, the exciting pieces of skill with with end product from quite a bit of it that Theo's mentioned there. There was also a fair amount of digging in and cajoling and encouraging and organising his teammates, which I think is one of the, you know, there, there was some debate before the game. We didn't know until until the, the, the teams were named, whether it would be him or, or Shiravella, who would actually be wearing the captain's armband. I think Neil Critchley had said before, it, it was basically going to be a toss of the coin job. But I think, it, you know, whether, it, whether that was just me said to the media and he was always going to give it to Curtis, you know, we, we don't know that. But I think I think it's it's quite telling that it maybe wasn't the flash. You know, maybe the, well, I think obviously his his, his his stunning match winning goal against in the derby against Everton in the third round will always gain more headlines in terms of a performance than what he did last night. But it, but in, in many ways, maybe last night was just as valuable in its own way because particularly you know when I think the goal when, when was the goal about sixty five seventy minutes something yeah. like that yeah in actual fact quite similar time to when it was in the third round tie as well and I mean I was at Anfield for the third round tie against Everton and once the goal went in there was very much a case of God they've got to hang on now it would be it would be devastating if having got their noses in front having you know have to, having centred this miracle in front of them if they weren't able to see it it would it would have been really really sad for them and it just felt like everybody digged <clears throat> everybody dug in <clears throat> led by the likes of Curtis with the armbands <clears throat> and I think it says a lot about the team that <clears throat> there was a lot of captain-type performances from the other players that weren't wearing the armband, the likes of Shiravella, the likes of Nico Williams, Kevin Gallagher make it, make, making that your big, strong claim at the end. And I think that's one thing that a lot of people have identified with the first team this season. All right, Jordan Henderson might be the captain, but there's leaders all over that pitch. And the fact that we're seeing that same kind of parallel at youth, le- you know, at youth team level, I think is enormously encouraging for the club's future. I think yeah. it's done them the world of good that they've got Trent there to look up to. Yeah. Like for so long, we've been saying, when's the next year I'll come in through? Yep. And they've had those nearly And they've men. seen his pathway, haven't yeah, they? But it was yeah. Trent's come in and done it and he's like the next Steven Gerrard, but from right back. So he's taken that pressure off them and he's mm. made it a reality. And you're not asking for the next Trent Alexander-Arnold because you've still got him and you know he's going to get so much better. But even then, they've practically found it in Nico Williams. He's looking that good as well. They've just... He's knowing that they can do it and that Klopp will give them the opportunities and that the talent is there in this age group. It's brilliant for all the youngsters and they're getting the rewards from it. Yes, yeah, certainly with, with Curtis Jones, I know from being in and around the academy, there's there's never been any doubt over you know his ability. But over the last sort of 12, 18 months, there's been a real push from from Neil Critchley and from Barry Lutus and, and Alex Inglethorpe as well to, to put more and more responsibility on mm-hmm. him and say, look, we know you're a good footballer, but we need you to be doing the other things around yeah. that. So I'd imagine the plan was was always to to give him that captain's armband as a kind of as a kind of reward, really. I mean, mm. I, I remember seeing him when Steven Gerrard was the the coach of the under 18s, and you know, you, you could tell straight away there was a player there. But maybe he was selfish is maybe the wrong word, but he he wasn't doing it for the team, and you know, he was more of a, an individual player. But certainly over the last twelve to eighteen months, I think. You know, he's he's just come on leaps and bounds as a footballer, but as a person as well. And yeah, to to be captain in Liverpool at that age is just a ridiculous achievement, but also a massive reward for what he's done. The Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The mental strength of the side as well, I suppose, was questioned, Theo. For a young side up against an experienced side, you did feel that first goal was so crucial. 
And when it looked as though Shrewsbury had scored, obviously the goal disallowed for offside, Liverpool then do come back into the game. That felt like a real crucial moment in the match. Well, Sam Ricketts said it was the game-changing moment because obviously he's had a, a real go at his side at half-time and Shrewsbury did look a lot better after the break. But the game still ends without them having a shot on target. If they get that goal... They probably do go through just because it's so much harder for Liverpool to then get back in it when, you know, if Shrewsbury ahead, they're just going to sit back defend. They don't need to do any more, especially against a young, experienced side who don't really have the game management. So for Liverpool to hold their own and look so impressive, we already know they dominated possession. Um, I think they only committed like one foul and that was Nico Williams following up on his block shot, wanting the ball yeah. back, whereas Shrewsbury were just kicking them left, right and centre. So they did the business right from start to finish. And yes, it might have been a bit fortuitous whether we say it was correct decision for offside or whatever, but these things happen right the way through football. It doesn't matter whether it was just kids. Like We've seen Liverpool benefit from it time and time again. That's why you've got Liverpool on social media all this season. So it's just one of those things and they can be proud of their performance. They certainly can. And talking about how dominant the first team have been, Dan, looking at the statistics, it's now 40 games unbeaten in all competitions at Anfield for Liverpool. Three of those games, though, you think, were the kids against Arsenal, of course, Everton, and now Shrewsbury. Mm. And within that, Liverpool haven't conceded any of the, the last seven at home. Two of those games, Everton and Shrewsbury, in which the kids featured. I think, you know, there's an old cliche, isn't there? Success breeds success. And, you know, winning can become a habit. But but ultimately, I think it, it ties into the to the values, the principles that, that Jurgen Klopp has... Um, instilled throughout the club. And I think, you know, and obviously there was an awful lot said and, and it, in some quarters an awful lot of rubbish talked about the, you know, the, the, uh, the decision that was made not to use any senior players and not, not for Klopp to be there itself. And, it, it, you know, it's a multi-layered issue and, you know, there's, there's probably about 10 podcasts all in its own talking about the things that came up for that. But th- there is a kind of irony to some degree and I've seen this raised in a couple of quarters since, since the match last night that um, in many ways his absence last night almost made his presence that much stronger because everything that we saw on the pitch and in the stands to be fair where we, you know, from everything I've heard from mates who were there the crowd were really with the players stayed with them you know during the difficult spells in the game and that all comes into what Klopp is, you know, has instilled into the club into the players into the supporters and it's now um, you know flowing through every, every strand every aspect of the club and, and you know, I've been you know a devout Liverpool supporter thirty five years and seen seen some good times when I was a kid, but I can't ever remember everything, every everything and everyone feeling so together, and, and it just does feel like an absolutely irresistible and stoppable force at the moment. Does it show how much control Klopp has over the club, Theo? That the fact that he can step away from this game. And I'm sure I know a lot of people, and we'll talk about the domestic cups under Klopp shortly, but I know a lot of people say Klopp doesn't care about the domestic cups. I am 100% sure he wanted his team to progress in this tournament. And he felt the best way of doing that, because his first team were on a winter break, was not him being in charge, but Neil Critchley, who I feel has perhaps been overlooked somewhat, deserves mm-hmm. real credit for the way in which he guided Liverpool through to the fifth round. Oh, 100%, because it's one of those where if Jurgen Klopp's in the dugout, as he said himself, he's only had, what, two days training with these players. Yes, he knows a couple of them. They've been training with his first team. 
but it's better having the whole familiarity there for them because that's how you're going to get the best out of these players. And then you might have had critics saying, well, you could at least watch it. You could be in the director's box or something. But then if you've got him in the stadium somewhere, the cameras aren't on Neil Critchley. They're not on the players. They're it's like, show, then, it's on Klopp, isn't it? How is he reacting to this? It, how much of a say is he having on this? And Critchley was asked what messages he had. He had. From he was asked the, three times in yeah, the press they conference. Yeah, kept going and going. Yeah. And they kept asking, what did he say pre-match? What did he say half-time? What did he say full-time? So, well, I've not checked my phone yet. It's just a couple of text messages. He's not given a team talk via text message. This is Neil Critchley who's managed to get this victory there. And you could see how much it meant to him at full-time. He said himself, I don't know if I'll get this opportunity again. So he's gone right up to the cop, really soaking it in, and then done the little lap of honour. It was a great sight to see. And Klopp, he's got that faith in the staff and the academy. That's why the success is all the way across the board. He knows they can go and do this job and do it without him. And it will be for the benefit of the club. Like he's in the Youth Cup. They, they won that last year. He didn't need to intervene there. It was just sit back, enjoy what the young players are doing. And it's going to keep on happening. Yeah, Neil Critchley, Matt, has achieved something Jurgen Klopp's never done. Reached the fifth round of the FA Cup. Yeah, I mean, what a night for him. I mean, I think he admitted himself at the end you know that that might well be the last time he gets that opportunity and certainly he took it and yes I mean for for someone who's you know spoken to him quite a few times over the last couple of seasons you know you know he's he's an excellent coach he's he's a lovely person as well like you know you you can get along with him and, and have an honest chat and I think you know with with the players he's exactly the same I think they all trust him he trusts them Jurgen Klopp trusts him to to do the job as Theo said and there's almost just that continuity whereby it almost didn't matter who was was in the dugout for for the game in terms of you know the game plan was was always going to be the same the system is the same the way that the team sets up is always the same um and you know look they won didn't they I mean you can't really can't really do much more than that to keep a clean sheet score the goal okay it was an own goal but you know still Liverpool created far more chances certainly deserved the win and yeah I'm absolutely delighted for all of them. And we wouldn't expect the kids to rock up in the bus down at Stamford Bridge in the fifth round, Dan, but I suppose it has proven that the youngsters, certainly a number of them that we've already singled out on this podcast, are capable of supplementing Jurgen Klopp's squad. We've spoken <clears throat> about how vast Manchester City's squad and how expensive <laughs> that's been to assemble. If Liverpool can add to their squad from within, whether it be before the summer or even during the summer promote a few of these players it's only going to stand Liverpool in good stead Absolutely I mean I would I would hope and expect that the team we see at Chelsea in the fifth round would be similar to the team that we saw in the third round against Everton you know the likes of Shiravella Jones Nico Williams um, <clears throat> possibly Narucci, you know, <clears throat> but also the, the likes of Keita Shakiri. Arigi, some some of the fringe senior players, you know the the same team that largely we've we've seen for the domestic cups, Adrian back Adrian back in goal of course, um, but you know I, I think one of one of the most heartening aspects of <clears throat> this kind of wild ride that, that the academy players have been on now that they've all seen that <clears throat> these aren't just empty words. Oh yeah, we'll we'll get you a game in the league cup or the FA cup if things come if 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 the opportunity arises. The managers, uh, you know, the, the the manager and the club have shown such faith in these players, and that faith has been repaid because clearly they've all bought into this kind of all for one, one for all mentality that the first team players have, and that, and that's why I think you know, as Matt said before, I think it, it's it's an immutable law of academy football that only a small proportion of those who get to 
under 21, under 23 level will actually go on and, and have long careers at the main clubs that they are. But I think there's every chance that all of them will hopefully go on to have good careers in the game. But we we've, we very much hope that there are a couple of them will find a pathway through, through to the first team. And obviously that, ties, that, that, that works to the advantage of the club. Liverpool will always be looking to buy players at the top end of the market. Yep. But if we're in a position where we've got young kids who are coming through that can show that they can operate at this level. And obviously the prime example of that is Ballon d'Or nominee Trent Alexander-Arnold, who only a few years ago was playing academy football at, at, uh, at Melwood as well. It shows, it, it, it just says to every one of these young players, if you put the graft in, work hard and get the little bit of luck that, that we all need in life. It's all there for them. Said we'd speak about the domestic cups, Theo, 22 points clear in the league. The Champions League resumes later this <laughs> month. How important now does the FA Cup become? We assume Liverpool should see out their their league advantage. You'd have to obviously be very, very sceptical to think they wouldn't. The man on the end, Dan Kay, is one of those. Well, not thinking they won't, but not wanting to uh, count his chickens. But in terms of the domestic cups, there's now perhaps a possibility Liverpool could really go for a treble. Depends on progress in the competition because we know it's Chelsea away yep. in the fifth round and whilst Jurgen Klopp will be delighted for the young players we're probably going to say that's a game you didn't want let's be honest you don't want to go to Chelsea you don't want to go and play them midweek and with the season they're having they're going to be up for the cup because it's a chance for Frank Lampard to get silverware for them and have a successful first season Liverpool will prioritise the Premier League but this game could be what it's the first week of March second week of March the league could be a win away by then two wins away by then so once that's done and dusted, the priority is the Champions League. So you'd imagine Jurgen Klopp will go full strength for the Champions League. And that's quite right. You'd expect that with Atletico Madrid. But if Dan's right, and it's what you'd expect to happen, that it will be like the team that played Everton. And they can get the job done against uh, Chelsea. And then you're in the quarterfinals or you're in the semifinals. Well, you should be able to balance it, really, just because your league games are done. You can rotate across the board and just choose your best 11 from the fitness levels to get the job done. And while it's probably too early to say, uh, go and win the treble or go and be invincible or whatever, Liverpool will get to that stage when they lift the Premier League title that they do have to reassess, well, what do we do now for the next two months of the season? Do you just keep your full strength team in the league games and go for being invincible? Or do you prioritise the cup competitions? The fact that they've shown, shown much strength so far, why can't they do it all? Yeah, Dan, I see you looking perhaps somewhat uneasy <laughs> thinking of all this success that might come Liverpool's way. But I have to say, even if they wrap up the league title with, if it's six, if it's seven games <clears throat> to spare, I don't think this squad know anything other than to win football matches. No, and the, one of my favourite Liverpool banners is from the 2001 FA Cup final, where we beat, sorry, guy, we beat Arsenal and Cardiff. <laughs> Um, I think it's. I think it might have been a Remember quote. That one. <laughs> might have been a quote from Gladiator, and it says, "I think it's something like we are what we repeatedly do. Excellence then becomes not an art but a habit." And I think they've got into this rhythm and routine of winning and winning and winning, and it's addictive. And I think a few of them have actually even pretty much used that expression. Once you have a taste of it, you want more and more. <clears throat> I wasn't actually you. you you said I was looking kind of a little apprehensive about it. You know, I'm never going to be one of those that bangs a drum and says, we've won the league now, give us the trophy. But I think you'd look a fool if you didn't say we're our absolute red-hot favourites. And I think <clears throat> myself and <clears throat> excuse me, a few others are kind of gradually realising that I think we were all expecting kind of like one big cathartic Aguero moment when it was sealed. And in reality, it's just kind of like a slow series of realisations week after week, almost twice a weekend sometimes if City get beat as well, that slowly but surely... 
surely it is going to happen. Um, but, you know, even from a supportive point of view, and don't get me wrong, if you said in August you'd get one trophy and it's the, it's the league championship, I would be doing cartwheels up and down this office. But having seen how good we are, having seen how hungry we are, I, you know, I would be very disappointed if, if, well, and I just, don't, I just, it's, to me, it's inconceivable that the players aren't feeling the same way, and they want to bring, they want to wring every last, every last little bit of success out of this season they can, because you don't know when seasons like this will happen again. Open question then for each of you to sort of take us out on, on this episode of Blood Red with no team <clears throat> selector for any game to look ahead to because they're all out sunning themselves or whatever they're doing on their mid-season break. But you spoke there, Dan, about that cathartic moment that Liverpool have. How how fulfilling, therefore, is it <clears throat> that not only a Liverpool looking as though they're making this ascent towards the Premier League title, but they're doing it with a team that aren't just going to do it on the last day. They are actually purely dominating. They've obviously beaten every league opponent. Dominating at the moment, every competition they sort of go into. Yeah, I mean, look, in an ideal world, you'd win it on the last day of the season, 90 plus six, Mohamed Salah pops up with a last minute winner and, and Liverpool win it on the last day. And look, that would be brilliant. But after 30 years, I think most Liverpool fans, well, every single Liverpool fan just wants to win the league. Yeah. It doesn't particularly matter, you know, how it happens or, or whatever. I think Liverpool, when, when it is confirmed... Liverpool is just going to go crazy, and, and rightly so. But Liverpool have had so many near misses. We expect it to be harder than this. It shouldn't be this easy to win the Premier League when you're against Manchester City, which should be one of the greatest teams that English football has ever seen. And we've had so many years of admiring Pep Guardiola's Manchester City team. Jurgen Klopp's Liverpool have gone under the radar a bit. And this is whether they've taken the cloak off. It's like, won the Champions League now. We've arrived. And it's like, wow, this, this is the best team that England has seen. And you can't really appreciate it whilst they're there because we're Liverpool fans, you've all grown up on the legends. You know all the names. You can go right the way back to Bill Shankly's time, the 60s, 70s, all the way through. And it just seems surreal saying, well, Jordan Henderson's one of them. James Milner's one of them. You can go through the whole team, can't you? But this is the reality now. And it's one of those where, say, 10 years' time, you look back, you'll realise how good this Liverpool team is. And yeah, they might not have had that last day moment but I'm sure Dan can tell me how many of the teams in the 70s and 80s had these last day moments. Not many. <clears throat> 82, I remember they had to beat Tottenham. 86, Dalglish at Chelsea. But 89, you had to beat Arsenal. Yeah, <laughs> touche. <laughs> I'll have to give Guy that one after my little Michael Owen crack yeah, just before. Um, yeah, I mean, Matt said in an ideal world, it would be an Aguero 96, 90 plus six moments. I would, I'd agree if it hadn't been for the fact that certainly even just in, in the last 10 years, we've had, we've had to suffer the Denver bar moments. And then, of course, last season's ultimately, I don't want to say futile because you know, I don't think you get this season without last season. I don't think you get what we're seeing in front of us now. You don't get without, without Kiev. I was exactly. going to say, how big a point is that, that this Jurgen Klopp side in, in many ways has been built off failure, losing the, the Europa League final, coming back the next year, reach the Champions League, get to the final, lose it, win it, obviously lose the Premier League on the final day of last season. And now we're seeing this. Well, it, yeah, it can be a hackneyed old, old cliche, whatever doesn't kill you makes you stronger. But I think you know, Liverpool's modern history is absolutely proof of that. And you could even take that back to, to Klopp's first season when he got to two cup finals, yep. lost the League Cup to Man City, and then had this fantastic run to Basel, great first half against Sevilla. And then it all went wrong in the second half and there was no, Euro, no European football, 26-17. 
Klopp, if you look at Klopp's managerial history, he does have kind of some precedent for this as well. His first job at Mainz, I think, before he, before he got them promoted into the Bundesliga, he had two last day narrow misses for promotion there. So I think that's maybe kind of forged his kind of character and, 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 and his mentality, you know, certainly in terms of his football management. But you get the impression in his life as well that, you, that you're not always going to, you're not always going to get things go your way, but that's life. If you, if you go about things the right way and you believe in what you're doing is right and you can, and you can look at yourself in the, at, at the end of the day in the mirror and know that you've done everything, then your rewards will come your way, even if you have to be patient for it. And, we're now starting to see the evidence of this and, and it's, it, it's, it's, it's turning into one of those seasons that I think Liverpool supporters don't ever want to end. And Klopp's, he's built this team. It's not just him that's had a point to prove. Like we all know before they won the Champions League, it's, he's won, lost all these finals and it's how to get that monkey off his back. This Liverpool team have had to prove points the whole way through and it's different varieties as well, right from Joe Gomez suffering two horrendous injuries, having to come back each time, be stronger, Virgil van Dijk, oh, he's just playing in Scotland. He's not all that and having to be a, a bit of a late bloomer. Andy Robertson, you're too small. Having to go up at like Hull City, work his way up. Gino Adams been relegated. James Milner's had to wait so long to get his opportunity in central midfield. Jordan Henderson nearly went to Fulham in a swap deal for Clint Dempsey. Salah got binned by Chelsea. Mane had to do it the hard way. Firmino was basically discarded by Brazil, had to go to Germany. That's just off the top of my head. You can go through that entire squad and they've all got these stories of how they've had to overcome adversity and when Klopp's done it as well and he's got them all together they can say right we've lost a couple of finals but we want that success now they've got it they're not going to let it go what a point fantastic mood to end this episode of the Blood Red podcast of course there'll be plenty more offering on the Blood Red channel and of course plenty more from these guys across on the Liverpool Echo website do keep attuned to all of that and wherever you listen to your audio on demand if you feel like leaving us a rating and review that's always much appreciated and any comments on YouTube in the comments section but until next time thanks a lot for your time and your company on Blood Red it's bye for now You've been listening to the Blood Red Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.